Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 242, Finance Friday Edition, where we check in with Sarah Wilson, Brian, and Eric and see what they've been up to since we last spoke with them. I think it's really important to challenge your beliefs sometimes and not necessarily um, just keep doing the way things the way you've been doing them just because that's the way you've always done them. And so Scott t- saying like, hey, you've got 44 grand in cash. Um, maybe don't uh, was a bit of a wake up call. And I did actually end up changing some of my saving habits. So it's a four bedroom, two bath house with, with a hot tub. It's beautiful. It came fully furnished. So again, it had been only been rented on short term rental for about a year. So it wasn't beat up too bad, right? Where I had to go in and do anything really don't a couple cosmetic things, but now we've already booked. I've only been live with it for a little over two weeks on Airbnb and it's already booked up like $12,000 for the rest of the year. My wife and I got so excited after our uh, recording that we kind of went and tried to uh, do everything we could uh, as much as we could uh, to get ourselves in an even better financial situation. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen and I am flying solo today. Scott couldn't join me today, so I am flying solo when I recap and catch up with Sarah Wilson, Eric, and Brian. I am here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because I firmly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. A couple of weeks ago, somebody posted in our Facebook group, hey, Mindy's always talking about catching up with somebody and checking back in in a few months. Well, I have reached out to all of our Finance Friday guests, and over the next few months, we are going to check in and see what they've been up to. Today, we're talking to Sarah Wilson, YouTube's budget girl, and Eric and Brian to see what they have been up to since we last spoke. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. The easiest way to collect rent, RentApp. RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. 
You ever feel like your vacation rentals since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. We first interviewed Sarah Wilson, YouTube's budget girl, for episode six of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Here's a fun bit of trivia for you. Sarah was actually the very first person that Scott and I ever interviewed for the podcast. She shared her wonderful story of paying off $33,000 in debt in three years while making only $26,000 a year. While debt payoff story of any kind is remarkable, Sarah's really impressed me because she was making such little income and still managed to pay off about a third of her annual salary in debt every year. That's really impressive. She came back to the show for episode 178 and shared an update from her first show. She was up to $100,000 in net worth. Yay! House hacking a duplex she bought at the beginning of the pandemic that allowed her to live for free, meaning no out-of-pocket housing expenses, and actively saving up for her next real estate purchase. She had $44,000 in cash, which was mainly in emergency funds, and $3,000 in her next house purchase account. Scott felt that this was an overwhelmingly conservative approach, but I can understand where she's coming from given her past experiences with debt. She was contributing to her employer retirement account and maxing out her Roth IRA and had a modest amount of after-tax investments. Sarah Wilson, YouTube's budget girl, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you and catch up today. What's going on? It is always a pleasure, Mindy. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, so let's jump right into it. It is always a pleasure to have you. I want to continue to keep up with your story because it's so inspiring. I I love your debt payoff story. I love that you found a smoking deal on a duplex that was in the path of progress. We talked about that a little bit, but not a lot on your last episode. Um, tell me what that means in the path of progress. So when I was looking for property, I I, I've been in this area for four years now, so I pretty much know the area. And I looked for over a year before I made a purchase. And I ended up doing so right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people told me I was really dumb for that. But it actually worked out really well because the $230,000 property that appraised for two forty dollars at closing um, is likely going to reappraise for about three hundred grand very shortly. 300000 It just yeah. appraised for two. Okay, let's go to the numbers again. What yeah. did you pay, pay for it? 230. 230. And then in 10 months later, when we talked to you last March, you had just refied to 250 it appraised for? No, actually, when I bought it, it had already appraised at 240. I only paid 230. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I did refi about 10 months later just to bring down the interest, the percentage point, and it was an FHA streamlined refi, so it didn't actually cost me anything. And I'm about to refi again hopefully to get out of the MIP and switch over to a conventional loan and also free up my FHA eligibility again. Awesome. Okay. And you have lived in this property for at least one year, which has satisfied your initial owner occupancy requirements. If you refinance, you will have, you will like reset your eligibility. 
so supposedly not. They they told me and they gave me paperwork that said, you know, as long as you've lived in the property for one year total, because the new loan's only going to be for 29 years. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I would say to anybody who is listening and considering refinancing, talk to your lender about your intentions. You do not want to claim you are going to be living in there and then have plans to move out and then get caught up in some sort of legal uh, miscommunication. I I was very clear. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to buy the next house. It might be next month. It might be next year. And they were just like, no, we're good. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. As long as you're talking to your lender and they don't care, that is all that matters. Uh, Okay. So the uh, path of progress is uh, a great place to buy. Scott bought a house in the path of progress and it just gives you more opportunity to take advantage of appreciation that you're not even forcing. It's just happening without your consent. Yeah. So like I said, I knew the area and I also work for the university here, which is a huge part of College Station in Bryan, Texas. And it is growing in the direction of where my house is. Um, In fact, they just built a Chick-fil-A near my house, which screams money to me, uh, (laughs) which I'm pretty thrilled about for a myriad of reasons, including chicken bites. (laughs) So let's talk about that for a minute. When you're a multinational, are they multinational? Let's just call them national. When you're a national company and you're expanding into an area, that means that, that, that you've done your research. You, you know that that's where people are going to be. If you start to see Starbucks, and I think at the time they just built a Walmart, Starbucks, Walmart, Chick-fil-A, those companies have people who analyze the market and they say, this is a place that I want to build because I know people are going to be there. That's where you want to be too. And yeah. the the college is growing in that direction. That's another really great, amazing um, influence in real estate, uh, real estate values. Yeah. So I, I also think made sure to purchase not where the student housing generally is because traffic is so bad there. That's not the, that's not the place I wanted to invest. Oh, so I went in point. the other direction. Good point. Okay. Lots of little tips here. Go back and listen to episode 178 with Sarah because she has a lot of really great information in that episode about how she chose this property as well. Um, okay. So in our last episode, you were looking for your next property. You said that's yes. your favorite pastime is to go and see houses. Same. Did you find a new property? Kind of. <laughs> um, I'm still shopping for an actual property or piece of land, and I'm very open to what that's going to be. I'm open to a duplex, a triplex, a quadplex, a piece of land I can put stuff on. Um, it just has to, I have to have good vibes from it. If we get real hippy dippy here, I have to know that it'll work and it's in a good place and that it has good vibes. I really want to do Airbnb. So I've actually spent 10 grand recently purchasing and working on renovating a vintage travel trailer. So I bought a partially renovated 1982 holiday Rambler that was completely gutted and redone on the inside. I'm finishing the outside and having kind of doing some of the finishing touches and fixing some not great work. And that I'm hoping to turn into a game day rental for Texas A&M people. So it's going to be kind of Texas Aggie themed. Uh, and the plan currently is to put it at an RV park and rent it out. So it's already got the hookups there. 
um, and do short-term renting, Airbnb or Verbo, and then eventually put it on a piece of land that I actually own and we'll set up all the hookups, build a roof over it, a deck. It'll be darling. Ah, uh, Okay. I am a real estate agent and there was a house that came on the market. The house itself was mid-century, modern, beautiful. It only had one bathroom and my clients didn't end up wanting to make an offer on it. Or no, it had two bathrooms, but one of it went to have a master bath. Anyway, in the backyard, they had an unfinished travel trailer that was available for purchase outside of the contract. I'm like, mm, who's going to, how are you going to get that out of here? Like it's all fenced <laughs> in. I don't even know how you got that in there, but that's not my problem. And a little studio and it sold for a hundred thousand dollars over asking it just sold recently. Um, our market is more of like a 10% over asking. So for it to go for a hundred over asking was pretty astonishing. And I don't yeah. think it was that significantly underpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, the travel trailer idea can be huge. You had a little bit of a yard in your duplex. Is there any room for the travel trailer on <laughs> your spot? No, there is not. I am okay. currently renting a field near my house for a hundred bucks a month to fix it up. Cause apparently you can't fix it up at like a storage unit or at an RV park. They don't want you to do that there. Um, yeah. Also, it, people are getting wise to like ADUs and buying homes that have an accessory dwelling unit. I've toured several and always gotten significantly outbid. Um, so, yeah. The, <laughs> so the last time we talked, it was it was probably March or maybe even February of this year. Mm-hmm. That's when the real estate market really started to just crank into overdrive. Yeah, it was so hot that every house sold. It didn't matter what the condition was. It didn't matter that it backed up to a very active train track. It didn't matter <laughs> anything. In my area, if it was listed on the market, it yeah. was sold within 20 days or for, was under contract within 20 Yeah, for days. double what it would be worth any other time. <laughs> Insanity. <laughs> Which is why Absolute I haven't bought insanity. yet. I don't yes. necessarily think the market's going to cool off that much, but I still don't want to just the numbers have to work. The numbers have to work for me to be able to run it out and to, for it to yes. be worth. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Do not get caught up in the hype and the, you know, ooh, I got to win this bid because I've lost six others. It doesn't matter. Make the offer that works with your numbers only. It doesn't matter what other people are buying. Your competition has different parameters that they're working under. Yeah, it has to work for me. Um, I put in 10 grand over on a property that was really cool. And it was really marked under rate. Um, and they ended up going like 20 grand over, um, at least according to my realtor. But I wasn't sad about it because I, I priced exactly what I could afford, exactly what it would be worth to rent out, you know, all the things I could do with the property. And I, that higher number wouldn't have worked. I would have been paying people to live there or, you know, just overpaying. So Listen, the next time you're tempted to pay somebody to live someplace, you pay me and I'll just live in my house. <laughs> I won't go. call you to fix anything. I'll fix the roof myself. It'll be great. I mean, I'm not going to give you a cut of the proceeds when I sell, but you, if you want to pay somebody, and this goes for anybody, if you want to pay somebody to live somewhere, you go ahead and send me a check. Yeah. The website, or biggerpockets.com has our home address <laughs> or our HQ address right on there. You just send it right to Mindy Jensen. I'll... I'll cash it with a smile. Yeah. Um, okay. So what else were we talking about when you were here last? You had, you were contributing to your employer 
retirement fund. We had discussed the concept of the 457 plan and you were looking into that. You had discovered that you did have that option. Are you now maxing out everything? No. <laughs> um, <gasps> there is there is still only so much money to go around. Uh, as far as retirement, I am still maxing out my, for, my, T, my teacher's retirement system, which I get an employer match for. So I'm maxing that out. I'm also maxing out my Roth IRA. And I have a few hundred dollars a month that I put into just brokerage accounts that aren't retirement centric. So I can pull them if I need to. Um, and all the rest of the money is currently going towards property savings. Great. And that is highlighting my comment that I always say personal finance is personal and what works for me might not work for you, but it doesn't matter. All that that your system has to work for is you. So I love that you're still contributing enough to get your full match. And I love that you're maxing out your Roth IRA. As we spoke to Kyle Mast on episode 200, he said that he can see the Roth option being removed as a way to kind of help pay for all those stimulus checks that the government kept writing throughout the pandemic. Um, it's a, it's a, well, listen to Kyle say it because he says it way better. He's far more eloquent than I am, but it's basically a really easy way to sort of remove that, that loophole and start generating more. It's not a loophole. It's a, it's a real thing, but it's, you know, generate more income for the government who has to start paying for these checks. Yeah. Oh, I did add one thing when open enrollment came back around. I started a uh, HSA account that I'm contributing a little bit to pre-tax. <gasps> Yay! Um, okay, so. I need to find out who actually sent me this note, but somebody sent me a note that said, in almost every single instance, the money that you can save in your HSA and the reduction in um, premiums for the monthly insurance premiums, it is almost always better to have an HSA, even if you have uh, medical issues, even if you have chronic conditions, um, it's almost always better to have an HSA. So I need to find, I'm going to look for a link for this. And he gave me a bunch of stuff. Uh, if you're listening to this and you are the one who sent that to me, I'm terribly sorry that I forgot. And please email me, Mindy at biggerpockets.com. And I will get a link to the uh, information that you sent me because that was very helpful. Uh, he ran a spreadsheet and did a bunch of numbers and it was very, yeah. very great. Glad you have an HSA. Um, I still encourage you to look into the 457 plan. However, one of the biggest benefits of the 457 plan is that you can access those funds without fee when you separate from service and you really like your job. You are in saving up for the next rental property mode. So maybe continuing to reduce your taxable income isn't the best choice for you right now. It just really depends on what you're looking for. So if you do, if you're listening to this, you have an, a 457 option and just a bunch of extra cash lying around, maybe that's an option for you. The Millionaire Educator was on our episode. Hold while I look it up. He was 124. If you have the option, if you are a city, state, or federal government employee, you may have the option to contribute to a 457 plan. So look into your benefits. And if you are interested in it, listen to episode 124 with the Millionaire Educator, because he goes into great detail on why it's so awesome. But this is not his episode. This is your episode. When will your travel, travel trailer be up and running? I'm hoping in about a month. I've had it for about a month. Um, been working on it, had to find some people to help me work on it for things like the electrical that I'm not necessarily comfortable doing myself. Um, but I've been uh, JB welding holes in it and 
getting ready to paint. It's going to be adorable. I really hope so. That is exciting. And you have you found the location to park it in yet? I have two options. One who has not quite gotten back to me yet on uh, if they'll allow me to Airbnb it while having it there. Um, they need to see all the photos and everything. So I need to like finish making it cute. Um, and the other has said yes, that I could Airbnb it while renting there. So that would be about $450 a month that I would then have to, that would be the lot rent. Um, one includes electricity, the other doesn't, but I could hook it up there. I don't have a truck, so I'd have to get it towed there, hook it up and then just use it as a regular rental and then eventually move it to a piece of property. Okay. So a couple of questions as somebody who doesn't own a travel trailer, but would be the one renting it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these RV parks can be really awesome and upscale and sometimes they can be less so. With this person saying that they wanted to see pictures, I'm guessing it's it leans more towards upscale. Yes. I okay. did a fun day-long tour of every RV park in the College Station Bryan area, Ooh. compared prices, got general like vibes, upscale, and looked at the rules for each one, saying some only allow trailers after a certain date, but those sometimes allow vintage if they look nice. So there's the one that is my front runner. Um, doesn't allow anything older than 10 years old, but they have some vintage Airstreams on the property. So when I sent them some photos of a similar, uh, another Holiday Rambler that had been uh, renovated in the exact paint style I'm planning on doing, they were like, yeah, that would be fine. It just, they want it to look very upscale and nice. So following the rules of that, making sure they're all good with me being liable for everything, but also having different people on the property and keeping all of that above board. Good. I love it. I'm so excited that you did that research. And I want to just, you know, highlight to anybody who's listening, if you're considering doing this, first of all, hit up Sarah because she's super nice and will tell you all the things you want to know. And also do some research because people are going to not be kind if they go to rent your trailer and it is in a less so Mm -hmm. RV park. Um, Also, Airbnb is very much a Everything has to be nice. The getting there has to be nice. There was one place that was actually really cool and upscale, but you have to drive through some really shady areas and you have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely really, really important. Take the time to really do your research and plant your trailer in a good location. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I would say, uh, I I would give links to where the, the, the RV park actually is in your Airbnb listing so that when people are looking at it, they're like, Ooh, an RV. I don't know. It's in some RV park or Ooh, it's in Bob's RV park. That's the nice one. Um, Cause I'm assuming that people who are coming for game day are coming. Like they, they went there, they went to the school and they know the area. So, you know, including cross streets, like it's near fourth and vine or whatever, I think would be really helpful as well. Um, Let's see. What else did we talk about? We talked about... We did a lot on savings and how much I had in savings. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) Well, Scott felt that you were rather conservative. He felt you were overly conservative, whereas I defended your honor and said that your past experiences with debt has probably left you a little gun shy and it's okay to have more in your Uh, emergency funds. I want people, especially in the middle of the pandemic, I want people to keep hearing over and over again, emergency funds are the way to go. Yeah. Um, That said, 
I think it's really important to challenge your beliefs sometimes and not necessarily um, just keep doing the way things the way you've been doing them just because that's the way you've always done them. And so Scott t- saying like, hey, you've got 44 grand in cash. Um, maybe don't uh, was a bit of a wake up call. And I did actually end up changing some of my saving habits. Um, I had, as you mentioned, about 44 grand in cash. I do still have my home emergency fund. I do still have my personal emergency fund, but I did end up actually shutting down five sinking accounts, sinking fund accounts. So I used to have a dedicated travel fund, pet fund, Christmas fund, medical fund, car repair, replace fund. And what I did actually, in addition to my emergency funds, personal account, uh, YouTube tax savings and rental insurance sinking fund, I ended up just moving all of those five that I deleted to my new home savings account and making one other short-term savings that kind of will keep just about two grand in it. So anything that happens that isn't emergency that I want to tap my biggie fund for, so travel, um, pet appointments, that kind of thing, that I can kind of have a secondary place to pull money from without having to tap my emergency fund. There might just be a mental block there. But uh, that freed up about 500 bucks a month that I then got to put towards my real estate efforts. Well, I love that. I love the idea that you want to challenge your thinking. I think that's really important to do. Um, I love that you still have a good emergency fund. The What's the quote? 40% of Americans can't foot a $1,000 emergency. Emergency. Yeah. I had to get a new tire and that's, well, if you get one and they're all, the rest of them are old, you got to replace them all. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a thousand dollars Yeah, and I can cover that. But if I couldn't, what am I going to do? If they're not going to put a new, t- one new tire on my car and I have to buy four, I'm going to have to throw it on a credit card and I can't pay it off. So then I have to pay 17% interest or 27% interest or whatever. Yeah. So one emergency can just really throw your entire month or year off if you don't have any savings. Yes. Yes. So I am totally supportive of your emergency fund. I am totally supportive of the way that you're saving. And I know that if the perfect house came up, and you had to jump on it, and you had to deplete most of your emergency savings, you still have options. Yeah, I do. Um, So like I said, I have just money in my personal account, and there's a little flush money there. And then I have a short-term savings fund. And then I still kept my YouTube tax savings. So tax for my business, it gets deducted. My uh, car and house insurance sinking fund. And I also still have my uh, two emergency fund accounts, one for my duplex and one for my self. And then I saved up about 25 grand into the new home savings account, which I only just recently tapped to uh, spend about 10 grand on the travel trailer. It was only 4,200 bucks, um, the trailer itself, but it has cost more than that, which I anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. So how much can you rent the travel trailer out per night? It's going to be about 80 to hundred bucks a night. Okay. And when you rent it out for a weekend, college games are on Saturday. That's that's football. Are there other options besides football? Do people come in for basketball yeah. and baseball and all the other sports that I can't remember? There are all sorts of sports. There are also parent weekends. There are people touring. Um, we have hospitals in the area. We have kids sports in the area. And this travel trailer will sleep up to three. So Okay. Well, that's great. I'm super excited for your travel trailer. I can't wait to see what happens at the end of the school year. I'd love to check back in again with you because I just love you so much, Sarah. Thank you.
So, well, thank you for coming back and sharing what's been going on. I'm excited for your progress and I'll talk to you again in about six months. Okay. That sounds great. Um, bring Scott. He can tell me I still have too much cash and savings. <laughs> you know, I'll bring Scott, but he's not going to tell you. He's not going to talk smack. <laughs> I might still have too much cash and savings, but I'm, I'm working on it. Willing That's to have okay. my beliefs challenged. I far out. I, I far agree with that versus the, oh, I don't have anything in savings. I'll figure it out. Ooh, that's terrifying. I wouldn't yeah. be able to take like the chances I'm doing like with this travel trailer, which could go up in flames. I, I wouldn't be willing to take risks if I didn't have a really conservative amount in savings. So it, I think it allows me to be, to take on ventures that maybe not everybody would. Yay. I love that. I love that. Okay, Sarah, thank you so much again for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mindy. Huge thanks to Sarah for coming back and sharing with us her successes. Sarah, you are really crushing your financial journey. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Pretty good episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters. Landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with a digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? Rent app, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space 
and let your property pay for itself while you're gone. I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Brian first joined us on episode 180, where we learned that he is essentially doing everything right. Brian earns a great income diversified over both his W-2 job and his rental properties. He spends far less than he earns. He invests across both stocks and real estate and owns a rental property in the cash flowing market of upstate New York. He's in his late 30s and he and his wife just passed $1 million in net worth. They had sold their home and were renting while waiting to close on their next house. But selling their home netted them a brand new problem, a really great problem of what to do with the equity that they just cashed out. Brian was contemplating continuing to invest in a 401k that had a 5% company match. Nice job, Brian. Saving for more long-term rentals in New York, jumping into short-term rentals in his new state in North Carolina, or starting to invest in syndications now that he is an accredited investor. Scott and I encouraged him to run the numbers on both of the potential rental markets and to check out syndication pitches. I further encouraged him to continue to contribute to his 401k because I love funding your retirement with good old-fashioned tax-deferred money. Brian, let's jump right into this. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to catch up with you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks, Mindy. So what have you been up to? You were going to have a baby back when we last talked to you. I'm assuming that you did have a baby or well, your wife did. Yeah, a lot of action here in 2021. We, so we moved down to North Carolina. We closed on a new house. We had a baby. That's our third child. So it's been very exciting. The $65 question, oh, $65, $65,000 question. You're not old enough for that either. The $65,000 question is, what did you do with your money? That's a good question. So we, <laughs> we purchased a short-term rental property recently just closed on that within the last couple of months, uh, an Airbnb beach house uh, here uh, in North Carolina. And that's been going great. My wife and I have been managing that. Did a lot of the, you know, the integrations into Airbnb to help manage that. So that's been going phenomenal. And earlier in the summer, we purchased another uh, five unit property up in upstate New York, which has been another good property. So it's cash flowing perfectly. And we had little, little more repairs than I wanted to do, but we had to get the five units up and running. Spoiler alert, there's always more repairs than you want to do. You, uh, you get this great deal and you're like, oh, drywall isn't see-through. So no worries. That happens to me every time I do a flip too. I'm like, oh, look at that. More Good thing I put in my extra budget. So let's look at these numbers. You So we were talking about, do I want to do a short-term rental in North Carolina or do I want to do more cash flowing properties in New York? And it sounds like you did both, which is awesome. I want to know what you paid for these. Yeah. So the first one we bought was the five unit in upstate and that purchase price was 90000 And I got uh, financing on that. And then we put in another 15000 in repairs. You bought five units for $90,000. I did. It was a great deal. It was an off-market deal. So um, I hate was, my market. <laughs> any cash flow is like the the gross rents are th- just over three thousand. So it's a great deal. Oh, I really hate my market. Okay, off-market property. 
$90,000 for five units, not $90,000 per unit, 90,000 whole dollars for all five units. Correct. Okay. And it's cash flowing $3,000. That's after repairs, after expenses, after, uh, not ash, not, not repairs after all that or. No, that's gross rent. It brings in 3000 and then we pay property management and, um, mortgage, which is not very expensive considering it's (laughs) on a $90,000 property. What is it like 400 bucks? (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, what kind of market is, or I'm sorry, what kind of neighborhood is this in? It's the North part of the city. So it's, um, it's a, it's a decent, it's a decent, uh, a decent part of the city. So it's, it's, we'll have long-term residents there. So I'm, I'm happy with, you know, where we are. And you put $15,000 into it. So you're all in at 105. And what is that generating in cash flow after all of your expenses? It'll be about, so it'd be about 2000 bucks a month. You sick. 2000. Like that's bad. It's great. <laughs> about I'm very happy. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Okay. So what did you put down on that property? Cause you said you got a mortgage. Correct. So we put down, uh, the 25% and then you had our, so it's, it really was, you know, we didn't have to kick off all that much and whatever it was. If it's over. kicking off $2,000 a month and you're $25,000 into it, $30,000 into yeah, it, 30, you're paying 000. it off. All your cash, you're paying off in 15 months. And then it's just, then you're not, ah, you yeah, really a, hate my market after talking to you. Yeah, that was a good deal. Like I said, they come, they come across every once in a while like that and you want to jump on them. So we you want to jump on, that on one. them. You yeah. want to be able to jump on them. And I want to point out to people who are listening, Brian was able to jump on this because he knew the market. He had been investing in this market already. You had, I believe, nine units over four properties the last time we talked. So you already know the market. You have a team in place. You have property management. You've done, like I said at the beginning, you've done everything right. And that's how you set yourself up for financial success is to put in the work at the beginning and do your research and you know, know what you're getting into, know what's a good deal so that you can jump on it as soon as you see it. Uh, let's move to North Carolina and look at that property. You said you just closed on that? Correct. So I just closed on that uh, about a month ago. And it was, it was turnkey. That that place is, is great. Um, I didn't go to MLS for that either. I was just networking with somebody at baseball practice, my son's baseball practice. And he happened to know somebody that was looking to sell a beach house. And that's kind of what I was looking at. And I had looked at the market in, over the past six months. So I knew what, you know, it should cost. Like, what should I be paying? The only thing that was that I didn't know entirely was how much were we going to make with Airbnb and short-term rental? Because it is seasonal. I wasn't, I hadn't been here and been in that market to monitor it over a course of period of time. But running you know, there's different websites out there that you can use to do your homework on it and talking to multiple other bigger pockets, short-term investors here that are all over the bigger pockets forums and they're great people connecting with them. That's what gave me the confidence to say, you can do this. This is a good deal. You should definitely do this. Okay. So let's look at the numbers on this deal. Yep. So we bought this one for 550,000. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's more than my primary residence. So, you know, this was one where we said we, we stopped and thought about it for, you know, a few days, my wife and I. But again, it wasn't on the MLS, so I didn't have to do it right away because otherwise I would have had to make a decision literally that day after seeing it. That's how hot the market is. 
But because of networking and not being able to take it slower, we realized, yes, we should buy this. So we got it for five fifty. Um, I got it as a second home mortgage, and I only put ten percent down. And I know I'd heard on your show before about you know run the numbers on paying PMI and not paying PMI. And I only put ten percent down because I didn't want to have to liquidate an extra fifty or actually pay an extra fifty five thousand dollars because PMI is only one hundred and one hundred thirty bucks a month. Yeah, that is something that I never considered until I talked to my friend Jake and he said that he was putting down only 10% on his primary residence because he didn't want to sell stocks and it was only going to be like 50 or $65 or something. And I was like, oh, I never even considered not putting 20% down because I hear stories of, it, you know, PMI is two or $300 a month. And at that point, sometimes it doesn't make any sense at all to pay it if you have the ability to put down the 20%. But when it's 50 or 60 bucks, I mean, that's, I I can do better with that money invested than just sticking it into the home equity of my house. Because when you go to cash out refi, your bank is not going to give you a 90% loan to value cash out refi. They're going to give you, I think 80% is the most that I've ever seen. Yeah. So my, my thought process there was, was like, yeah, I, I think that if I only put 10% down, I would be having more. Like I didn't want all that equity into the house and I could do better with it outside it you know, at 3%, right? The rate's 3% for 30 years. That's so, money is stupid cheap right now. Yeah. Lock in that long-term rate, pay okay. an extra hundred bucks a month. What are the stats on this rental property? So it's a four bedroom, two bath house with, with a hot tub. It's beautiful. It came fully furnished. So again, it had been only been rented on short-term rental for about a year. So it wasn't beat up too bad, right? Where I had to go in and do anything. Really don't. A couple cosmetic things. But now we've already booked. I've only been live with it for a little over two weeks on Airbnb. And it's already booked up like $12,000 for the rest of the year. And what is your monthly expenses for this property? About $3,000 total. Oh. And this is the off season. And this is the off season. Um, is it available? Is the, the beach that it's on, Does do people come throughout the whole year? Or is it truly summer seasonal like some of these other beach rentals? No, because the, the winters are mild. They're not obviously laying out sunbathing all winter long, but the winters are mild enough where you will get some renters throughout the year. It's You're not going to get it booked up week to week to week like you will from June through end of August, but you will have, and I've seen it already, like you'll get people that will rent for a week over Thanksgiving, you know, people that rent... Um, just random weekends here or a four-day weekend there. And so, you, I mean, it's the beach. It doesn't lose its value. Exactly. I rented a an Airbnb for over Thanksgiving, and I'll give you a little bit of advice. If you're going to be renting this for when people are having big gatherings, have some actual big containers that people can cook in. Like I went, I went to the store and bought like disposable ones, but, you know, uh, casserole pans and maybe a turkey pan or maybe not a turkey pan that's kind of specific for one thing, but have a well-stocked kitchen. Go to the kitchen and try to make something, like try to make a big meal and look, oh, I don't have a can opener. I don't have, like, they didn't have pot holders. I told them in advance that I was going to be making Thanksgiving dinner and asked them if they had anything that they could share with me, um, you know, if they, if they could share what was in the the kitchen. And they're like, oh, you can cook in it. I can't. There's no pot holders. I, well, I can cook. I just, I guess I didn't actually, that's on me. I didn't ask if I would be able to remove things from the oven that were being cooking at 
350 degrees. So I guess that's my fault. Uh, but put some put some oven mitts in there, please. Yeah, wait, my wife and I and kids, we've always traveled. Like we used to snowbird down to Florida. So we've always been doing short-term rental ourselves. So it was nice to take notes over several years to say, okay, if we ever have one of these, this is what we'd want. And you're right. Having it fully stocked like that, it, it just, it, it makes your life so much easier as a traveler. And we got the baby now. So we've got baby stuff in there. The renter there is right now said she booked it because of all the baby stuff. So just have like a portable high chair and yes. you know, things like a, a porta crib, like those little things that just help. Plastic dishes for the kids so that they don't drop your glass glasses on the ground and because they are going to drop it. So Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so I want to circle back because I, I didn't mention this. I want to circle back to the beginning where, of the short-term rental where you said you got this lead from somebody at your son's baseball practice. I wrote an article a couple of years ago for the Bigger Pockets blog called Do Ask, Do Tell. And the whole thing, the whole gist of it is you don't know what other people are doing until they tell you. They won't know what you're doing until you tell them. If you had never talked about real estate with this guy at uh, Little League practice, would you have gotten this deal? Most likely not. Maybe it would have popped up on the MLS, but like you said, you would have been competing with other people. The market is super, super hot. Tell everybody you know that you're a real estate investor because you never know where your next deal is going to come from. That's exactly it. Just network as much as you can. That's what what did this. I did not know the guy. I did not. But now he, you know, he led me to a phenomenal deal that we love. That's awesome. Uh, a couple more things that Scott and I had talked to you about were real estate syndications and your 401k. So let's look into the syndication plan. Did you end up reviewing any syndication pitches? Did you end up investing in any syndications? I have not. I am reading Brian Burke's, Burt, or Brian Burke's book that um, from, from Bigger Pockets. So I'm in the middle of that right now. And I wanted to, I don't like to just jump right in. Like I said, I wanted to do my homework. I really wanted to um, just take it slow there. Cause it, again, I, I knew these other things. I didn't necessarily know a ton about syndications as much. So I knew this was what I wanted to do first. So it's, that money's not going anywhere, right? So let's just learn it first. And then eventually I probably, I see myself doing it. It's just, I wanted to jump into um, the short-term rental market first. And then let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. And so the answer to that in a long-winded way is I did not invest in syndication yet. And I'm keeping my 401k at 5% match. At 5% match. Okay. So you're getting the entire match that your company gives. You're not, you're just not contributing anything extra, which is fine. Personal finance is personal. This is your choice. And you are doing this so that you can save up for more rental properties and investments as they come available. Correct. I ran the numbers on like that, just the compound interest calculator stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm 38, so I can't access that money for over 20 years. If I do nothing with that in the 401k, it's still going to compound for years. I'm still going to continue to contribute to it, but I didn't want to max it out and lock it up. I wanted to have access to it just to make sure that I could jump on other deals like the one that came across. And I just prefer, I prefer real estate <laughs> than I do. That's great. You're, well, look at what you're getting. A $90,000 five-unit property that cash flows $2,000, um, I approve. That's a really great deal. Um, okay, so I want to give you an episode to listen to, episode 219 of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. We interviewed Jay Scott on syndications, and it is an epic 
two-hour infomercial about syndications and how to look at them um, as opposed to just, you know, oh, jumping in with both feet. I love that you want to do your research. I love that you want to make a smart decision. It can be really uh, difficult. It's not the right word, but like, did you get caught up in the GameStop and the, the what was the movie theater one? Like, AMC. AMC. Yeah. You know about them. And oh, it would be lovely to make a 219% profit. I would love that all the time, but I'm not willing to risk my money on the whims of investors who may or may not be, you know, making smart decisions. I want to make smart decisions based on solid information. So uh, if you you were nodding your head, maybe you've already listened to Jay Scott. He's rather, rather smart when it comes to syndications. And you've got the book too, which is awesome. Uh, let's see. Oh, your job. Are you, you moved to a different state. Are you still working at the same place? Yeah, I've always been remote, so I've been able to work wherever I am for like for the past like seven years. So yeah, I didn't nothing changed there. I'm still on my laptop. <laughs> so what is next for you, Brian? Raise a family, enjoy life, <laughs> <laughs> go coach sports, you know, do those things, dad stuff. Well, <laughs> and when you get money out of the way, you can live your best life. It sounds like you've gotten money out of the way at the, when we first talked to you, you had something like $5,000 in monthly expenses and 3000 of that was covered from your rental properties. Now you've got another 2000 from the, the five unit. I mean, one or two more rental properties are going to push you over the edge of replacing your W2. And then it's just, I don't want to say it's a game. I really don't like when people say, oh, I want to get into the real estate game. But then it's like, how, you know, what phenomenal deals can I find? You seem to be pretty good at finding these phenomenal deals. I don't know. I get lucky sometimes. <laughs> I'm patient. I don't know. I, I think that $90,000 five unit is is a sweet deal. What is the ARV on that? Uh, Probably around, right now, I could probably sell it for like 175 I quit my market completely. I hate my market. It's so hot. <laughs> Well, you know, you bring up a good point, though, like with the with the passive income, that's obviously the goal all the time, right, is to reach that financial independence. And but I love my job, so I'm not doing anything different. I just I'm going to keep I go keep keep going with what we're doing and enjoy it. And maybe we'll find another beach place if we enjoy this. We'll do this for a year. Right. And we still do some of the cleanings. We have a cleaner, but we still do them. But I want to experience it. I want to go through it and see how it goes. Yes. When you know how everything works, then you can hire it out with confidence instead of just kind of guessing, oh, I guess it takes 17 hours to clean this house. No, it takes three. Well, this was awesome. I'm so glad you came back on the show to recap with us because I was really curious what you were going to do, short-term rentals, long-term rentals. And it turns out you're doing both, which is great. Uh, Did you spend all the money that you had from your, the sale of your house in New York or do you, are you still sitting on some and waiting for the next deal? I wouldn't be in this position, Mindy, if I spent all the money, would I? <laughs> well, you could have found a really fabulous, amazing property, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. So you you are ready for more deals. Yes. As yeah, they present always. themselves. That mm-hmm. is the best position to be in. Okay, Brian, thank you so much for joining us and coming back on the show to give us a recap. And uh, maybe in another year, we can see how many more rentals you've bought and <laughs> check in on that Airbnb and see how it's going. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
Wow, Brian, thanks for that update. I'm super jealous of those deals that you're finding. And if you ever need somebody to take a test out on that beachfront property, you go ahead and give me a call. We originally spoke to Eric on episode 170. Eric and his wife are teachers in New Jersey, bringing in a little over $9,000 a month after pension and 403B contributions. He was in the process of refinancing his mortgage from 3.25% down to a, frankly, ridiculous 1.875% and taking it from a 20-year loan down to a 15-year loan. Eric had also taken out a HELOC against his personal residence for the down payment on his rental. In an effort to be debt-free, he was making additional mortgage payments on both properties and his car, but he only had a small emergency or reserve fund for his rental. Scott and I had recommended that Eric stop all the extra payments to his mortgages in his car and aggressively pay off the HELOC. We also recommended that instead of taking out the refi that he was about to sign papers on, he contact his bank and see if he could switch it up and do a cash-out refi and pull some money out to completely clear out the, the HELOC. We also pulled out our go-to suggestion for just about everyone, which is track your expenses. We had a bit of an update from Eric at the end of his original show because we recorded it in early December and released it in early February. He had made the decision to change his refinance out to a cash out, pull out what he could and pay off the HELOC. He and his wife have a money date, have had a series of money dates and decided to stop making extra payments to the mortgage and were then able to save a whopping 40% of their income. Hooray, Eric, that's so awesome. They also moved their 403B to a new provider and cut out an enormous 2.5% in fees. First of all, it should be criminal to charge so much for fees. But congratulations again on making such an amazing decision. Eric, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Mindy, thanks so much for having me back. It's great to see you again. It's great to see you. So what have you been up to after that? We've already had a recap and now we're going to do another recap because I'm guessing you've done more. Oh my gosh. My wife and I got so excited after our uh, recording that we kind of went and tried to uh, do everything we could uh, as much as we could uh, to get ourselves in an even better financial situation. So um, you brought up the um, the refinance that we did. So where that stood was when we did our cash out refinance, uh, we took out um, more than we had expected to be able to um, as far as our equity. Our home had appreciated even more than we had expected. Um, so that allowed us to take out more. Uh, we paid off our HELOC. We refied at 2.875% with no points for 30 years. Um, that actually allowed us to purchase another rental property in northern New Jersey. So now we've actually got two rentals uh, that are cash flowing around uh, $700 a month. Um, and we've got a nice reserve. Um, we've filled both condos with wonderful uh, renters who uh, are working with us really well. Um, so far, even in just this year, as far as the appreciation goes, our our leveraged return has been 37.9%, and that's just appreciation, not the uh, cash flow at all, um, and their condos. So they're really very maintenance, uh, low maintenance for us. We did a lot of work on our second rental property um, uh, between my wife, myself, her dad and my dad, we probably had about a hundred man hours in and woman hours in to the condo, uh, but we got it in a gr in great shape. And um, we're currently working on replenishing that maintenance fund. We actually did end up with a little bit of a surprise um, with our first rental that we needed to put in a new HVAC system right before we closed 
on our second rental. Because isn't that how it happens? Yes, all the when time? it rains, it pours. It does. But you know what? Because we had been in that great financial situation of doing the cash out refi, having that cushion, we were able to do that from a position of uh, of strength and not feel worried about it by taking on more debt. We were able to do it in a way that made sense and still be able to go through with the second condo. And like I said, now we're just working on replenishing that maintenance fund um, and then hopefully saving for our next property down the road, maybe in a year or two. This is fantastic news. So I feel like Scott and I don't do enough to celebrate the wins. Congratulations on being able to buy a second property. Congratulations on the cash out refi. And now you were getting an absurd rate, 1.875 when we talked to you. To be able to refi into a 2.875 while pulling out cash is phenomenal. I'm getting ready to do a refi and I don't think that's even my rate. And <laughs> I I wish. I'm so jealous. I talked uh we earlier we talked to Brian and he found a smoking hot deal and I'm like I need to move. The problem is I don't really want to move to the East Coast. I really like Colorado. So I'm kind of I understand. <laughs> I understand. So tell me about the details on this new condo. Well, uh, the condo is a uh, one bedroom, one bath in uh, a more rural area of northern New Jersey, um, where prices are a little bit lower as our rents. Uh, but the great thing about this condo was even though it's technically a one bedroom, one bath, it has a finished basement so we can rent it as a two bedroom um, but we just can't fill it with, uh, you know, fire code only allows us with two occupants instead of four. Um, but it's great for somebody who wants an extra bedroom, either two roommates or somebody who wants an extra room for an office, which is actually the, the tenant that we found is using it for that. So we're able to, um, price it closer to a two bedroom, one bath, even though we only paid 87,000 for it, we're getting 1400 a month. Um, on that. We were able to put 25% down. Like I said, we put about 100 uh, hours into sort of redoing it. It had previously been a rental that had let uh, they had let go. Um, so we were able to do a lot ourselves. I've found, I have a friend who's a contractor. Uh, he and I worked for a good, I don't know, 15 hours straight uh, to put in new bathroom fixtures, to put in new doors, to take care of um, a lot of work that needed to be done on the deck out back. And I learned a ton. Um, I loved being able to work with Mike, um, or my my friend who's a contractor, and learn about a lot of this, uh, 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 you know, the ways that he does things so that I feel more comfortable now as um, as a landlord being able to go in and take a look and know what I'm doing. Um, so that's fantastic. We were able to do that. Um, and, uh, again, we put 25% down and now we're renting it out for 1400 a month. And that cash flows around, uh, I want to say 400 a month, uh, for us, wow. which is fantastic. That is fantastic. And I am a huge proponent of learning how to do it yourself because when you don't know how to do it yourself, you could have a contractor who may have nefarious, uh, intentions and come in and say, Oh, you need a new flux capacitor. That's $150. And you're like, Okay. And it's really like a screw that needs to be tightened. And he's in there, you know, monkeying around for a few minutes. Whereas if you know it, first of all, you could probably do it yourself if it's just a screw that needs to be tightened. But also you can sift through the people who aren't being super honest. So I love that you spent some time working on your own property. Um, you make a really good point that I want to, I want to highlight. Um, you said that it is a 
one bedroom, one bath, but it has space for another living area, a finished basement, if you will. And on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, episode 215, we talked to Ricky Beliveau about finding space and creating additional bedrooms. Um, he takes he took a condo and turned it into an additional, it was like a two bedroom and he turned it into a third bedroom because it had a dining room, a living room and a family room. He's like, I don't need all this stuff. I need another bedroom. So he created space where somebody may not be really looking for a way to create space. So I wanted to highlight that that was really fantastic of you to, to, you know, see that, see the options and the opportunities. And instead of just advertising a one bed, now you've got a one bed plus office or a two bed. And that is fantastic. Um, what is next for you, Eric, Mr. Just not stopping ever? Oh, my goodness. Well, not only that, um, I wanted to bring up something. And I don't know if this has probably been touched on at some point, maybe in an episode that that I haven't listened to. I've listened to, gosh, hundreds of a hundred episodes at least, but maybe not every single one. But um, this year, I was fortunate to be able to get um, uh, a raise because I had completed a good number of graduate courses, which were paid for by my employer. I don't know if it's ever been talked about on the show, but if your employer pays for your grads, grad courses, take them. <laughs> because at least as a teacher, um, our raises are often dictated by the number of uh, graduate credits that we've had. Uh, so I was being um, covered for most of the costs for the graduate work. And then that goes and, uh, uh, increases my salary. Uh, my wife has done the same thing. Um, so on, on top of having a better financial situation, um, with our, uh, our rentals and our mortgages, we also now just make more money, uh, which is fantastic. And the, the work was paid for by our employers. So that's another great thing that was really exciting this summer when we, got our paychecks in September. <laughs> that is wonderful news. I love that you brought that up. And you're right. There are a lot of things that your employer may offer for free, but you have to go in and ask them. So if you're listening to this and you would like to get another degree, another course, you'd like to take a class or you know get a certificate, talk to HR, talk to your boss, talk to people in your company who would know about these things and ask if any of these programs are available. That is excellent advice. Even if they only cover half of it, even if they only cover a small portion, every dollar that doesn't come out of your pocket is a dollar you get to save. Just kind of a dumb thing to say, but <laughs> keep more dollars in your pocket. So you've increased your income at work. You've increased your rental income because you bought another rental property and you are... Uh, now you have, did you say you have a, a new graduate degree or you just took graduate courses? I don't, that was mean. Oh, you just took graduate courses. Do you have an additional degree on top of this? I'm working toward um, a second master's degree. Um, luckily with my school district, not all of them are this way. They offer you um, a pay bump at 16 graduate credits and then the next degree. Nice. Okay. So, so I may, I work, I got to that 16 credit bump. And then now I'm working toward that second degree, which hopefully will be done this year, which means next year there's another um, move on the the pace out the salary guide. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, what does your reserve fund look like? We had talked about that. And in the original episode, Scott felt that you were a little undercapitalized in your investment business. So what what sort of reserve fund are you holding on to right now? 
Well, we have a personal uh, safety net um, that we that we keep um, in uh, a robo advisor. Seventy five percent bonds and twenty five percent stocks. It just has about five or six percent growth every year. Um, and right now, in that we have about thirty thousand dollars, which is about six months' expense or five or six months' expenses for us. Um, so we're okay with the fact that after we had to pay for that HVAC replacement for our first rental property, we're down to about five grand on our uh, reserves. It was about eleven uh, or eleven or twelve grand before that. Um, but we also feel, and we're working towards building that back up. But we also feel comfortable that if we had to. We could go uh, and dip into that safety net if we needed to for an emergency repair. We Perfect. should be able to um, hopefully have that replenished within about six months to about 10 grand, which is where we'd like to be. I love it. Okay. So the overarching theme that I get from your story is that you are even more intentional than you were before. You are focused on the numbers, you're focused on the plan, and you are working together with your wife to create your financial future. Absolutely. Absolutely. We love I, looking at it together and working on, you know, imagining where we're going to be, um, you know, and just uh, the different options that are hopefully going to be able to be available for us in the future. Yeah, that is fantastic. I love to hear that. And I love to hear updates on your story. I want to circle back with you in another year and see how many more properties you've purchased and how much more, uh, how much more money you're making at work because of your finished graduate degree and all of the things that your intentionality is going to bring you. Uh, I'd love to. And hopefully I'll be able to share a lot of uh, great news with you. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to update us on your story. And I will talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Okay. Eric and I had finished recording, but then he gave me one more tip that I have to share with you. Eric, talk to us about escrow. Okay, so I did not come up with this idea, but definitely made it happen, and it's been great. And that is, we, we asked our mortgage company if we could waive our escrow, and they essentially sent back a long three-page letter that said yes. So uh, we did that immediately. We got back what they were holding uh, onto for our escrow, which we just put in our savings account. And now we're able to pay our taxes, our property taxes and our insurance off of our credit card and rack up points for some great vacations. Now, uh, they do charge a service fee to do this, but the service fee is less than those points are worth. So we're able still to come out on top and uh, and have that reserve. So this uh, in a couple months, we're actually going to be traveling to Miami and it's costing us like nothing. <laughs> so it's fantastic. I love this tip and I love the stacking because you're going to pay your taxes anyway. And stacking this up with a vacation that you now get for free or whatever the service charge was is a great tip. I do want to point out a couple of things. First of all, not every lender is going to let you do this, but you're not going to know until you ask. Second of all, you do need to actually pay your taxes. And I know that kind of goes without saying, um, but make sure that you have the ability to pay your property tax bill before you ask your uh, lender to allow you to do that. Because, you know, and most people who are listening are really good with money or want to become really good with money, they would be able to do this. When I asked my escrow, my lender, if I could just not escrow the property taxes and the insurance, they're like, it'll cost extra. I'm like, well, I don't want to pay to not pay. So I'll just pay. <laughs> okay, for more amazing quotes like that, follow me on Instagram. 
Okay. The Aaron, other thing to watch you. out for too is uh, <laughs> the other thing to watch out for is to the um, the service charge that they charge for putting it on a credit card. And if that service charge is more than those points are worth, then you're losing money and it's not worth it. Ooh, good tip. Thank you for that as well. That's a that's a really good tip. But yeah, I'm so glad that you said this and I'm so glad that you jumped back on to record this bonus tip. So thank you, Eric. Happy to. This wraps up our episode today. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, go to www.biggerpockets.com slash guest to apply to be on the Monday Money Story episode or www.biggerpockets.com slash finance review to share your finances and get some feedback from Scott and I on our Friday finance review episode. Scott's back next week. So this is Mindy Jensen saying, I hope you have a very lovely day. reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the bigger pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.